This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to the Matthew Talks podcast, where we talk about inspiring stories, give practical advice, and a community of support for entrepreneurs. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Matthew Talks Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back and joining us for another great episode. Uh, on today's show, I have a special friend of mine uh, close to home, uh, What have done life with him, and just really great friend overall, great influence, and a great uh, community uh, volunteer, influencer. I like to say you have a, a big heart for the community and what you do, not just for Waco, but for the people around you as well. It's my friend Lim Brown from Brazos Bluff Ranch. Lim, thank you so much for joining us today and coming on the show. I'd love to give you just a moment to introduce yourself, tell us a little about who you are, what you like to do for fun, and just give us a little bit of who you are. Thanks for having me, Matthew. It's good to be here. Uh, I manage our our ranch, Brazos Bluffs Ranch, mm-hmm. a little north of town. We have uh, horseback riding tours. I've been doing that for a little over 12 years now. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, people from all over the world come through and go on a horseback riding experience. We also have a couple vacation rentals. So that's what we've got going on. Yeah. Well, I can definitely say that I've I've gone on the horseback riding and then this was a sunset horseback riding uh, and it's on the Brazos River. Now, give us a little bit of, uh, I guess, picturesque words of how to describe the view of the Brazos. Now, when I say the Brazos, that's the river that comes down right through Waco and then you're up the river good ways. But there's something special about what you offer that I don't think that a lot or any other horseback service has to offer because of what you have that's right yeah so we have over 300 acres like you said bordering the brazos river it's very scenic property especially for the waco area Um, similar in scenery to cameron park with Mm. high bluffs great views and our trails there's a good diversity of scenery on the trails where we ride through pastures in the springtime. They're beautiful with wildflowers. We go through pecan groves up mm-hmm. and down the hills. We have limestone bluffs throughout the property. So the topography is unique for Central Texas and it's really a park-like, very pretty property. Yeah, whoever said that there weren't hills in Waco, Texas was wrong because there's plenty of hills and cliffs and bluffs and fun things to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I would love to get some backstory on, you've said you've done this for 12 years, okay? So now, how did this kind of start? Where did where did horseback riding, where did Lim get introduced to horseback riding and how did this become a desire to do as a business, a business or was it a desire? Kind of bring us into the go back 12 years. Where did this start? How did this come into fruition? Sure. So I was raised on the, on the property. Mm-hmm. It's family land. And my interests have always been in the outdoors. I've always liked horses, enjoyed training and riding horses. So having the resource of the family land coupled with my interest in horses, nature, wildlife, uh, is what, yeah, is what set me up to, to venture out into starting a horseback riding business, which started, um, I first had the idea when I was 16 and just thought, hey, we've got this great resource. Let's start a business. And, of course, I didn't have any money or any <laughs> any way to start a business. Let's say at 16, that's a pretty big deal. Yep. So my brother uh, owned the business initially. He mm-hmm. made the investment to start it and bought the horses and the equipment and essentially launched the business while I managed it 
and guided the rides and cared for the horses and mm. took care of the ranch and, you know, built up the trail systems <clears throat> and, and then bought it from him a couple years later. Wow. So I've been involved from the beginning, right? but haven't had ownership until 18. <laughs> yeah. Until 18, somewhere around 18, 19. <laughs> yeah. I think it was 2014. Wow. Okay. So that's really neat because when you hear a lot of entrepreneurial journeys and stories, it's not typically, well, some, yes, but when you think about it, they're like, oh, I just had this one, this idea and I just started it a couple of years ago. For you, this has been a journey. This has been an adventure. There's probably been tons of ups and downs, ebbs and flows. Just like you mentioned a moment ago, you know, you've had to pioneer the trails. You've had to think about how you manage these things, processing the back end of the business after you purchase it. I would love to get a perspective of the first two years of like, okay, cool, I'm just managing this, to then stepping into ownership. What was that transition like? Was that intimidating? Was it, were you excited for that? Were you like, oh no, I'm ready for this. Like I'm looking forward, I already know how to do everything. And it wasn't really that much different or is there, there was there anything in that transition that was different? Not, yeah, thinking back, it, it wasn't that much different because I was so involved mm -hmm. and my heart was in it from the beginning mm -hmm. and I helped pioneer it and had a lot of the, the ideas and vision behind the business. It wasn't intimidating or um or or it didn't feel right all that different it yeah and that's i haven't i haven't put that much thought into it until sure. now but um yeah i mean i was i was old enough to remember and and it felt it felt fine yeah so when you guys first whenever your brothers invested first into the business you you guys bought the equipment the horses how what did, what did you guys start with what was your benchmark to say, okay, hey, this is where we're going to start. Did you start with two horses, four horses? And then as you started cultivating that, you know, business plan, so to speak, you know, did you guys get into that depth of creating a business plan as a as an entrepreneur? You know, some people are, no, we just winged it. We just bought this, did this, and just put it out there. What was y'all's approach to that? Yeah, so answer your first question, we started with six horses. Interesting story there. I had probably... The one thing that helped uh, initiate the idea was hearing from a friend who went to a horseback riding stables in Tennessee in Smoky mm. Mountains Ooh. and rode horses <clears throat> on this scenic property in the Smoky Mountains, actually on his honeymoon. He told me about that. I thought, well, that's something, you know, I could, I could get into. It right. sounds real interesting. And he actually got me in contact. He made friends with the owner what? on his trip there. Let's go. And got us in contact with that man. His name is Donnie Heil. And he had a, a fairly large outfit. He owned land in like close to the entrance of the Smoky mm. National Park. Had like 50 horses and just hundreds and hundreds of guests every day of the year. Of course, the climate's a little different there, so he was, of course, a little more seasonal than we are. So he got us in contact with him. Donnie turned out to be a huge resource to us. Mm -hmm. He, in fact, brought us our first six horses in 2011 and all of the saddles and tack required to start the, start the tours um, and was very generous in helping wow. us out, gave us a great deal on those horses sure. that had already been used in his business. So um, thanks to Donnie, we, are, we were off to a pretty good start. And what was that follow? What was the next question? No, you, the follow up question you had so, to that. So basically just, you know, what did you start with and what was your strategy to go from there as you guys benchmark, like with the business <clears throat> plan, did you guys have a business plan? Man, I'd, I've always been a planner, but yeah. I don't think I was quite the planner that I was at 16. Sure. Um, I, I mean, hey, teenager. You know, of course, <laughs> I I dreamed of X numbers of rides mm -hmm. in a year and, you know, how how cool, cool it would be to make so much money in a year. Of course, like, we've exceeded that by right. far now. Um, I'm sure my brother 
I just I can't remember the details at that time. I'm, we had we had some form of plan in writing, but I I was not versed in the yeah in the business principles no, I get of I, you know writing down your unique selling point and <coughs> defining your your customer avatar and who's your who's your market and understanding who your customer was that that was more that was more launch it and see what happened and and we got lucky and that's well and that's something that's important to realize too like sometimes there's two i think there's two different uh paradigms here or you know it's a two-way street some people function better with okay i'm just gonna i'm gonna go out there and do others or i'm gonna plan and get the structure in place and you have to identify which one which lane you work best in and for me i'm a planner i like to be prepared but i also like to just go do random things and see how it works out because i'm also a very visual person so i like to watch how things happen like oh is this gonna be something that is gonna work is it not gonna work but I also, I'm also kind of risky in some areas. Um, other people are risk averse. They don't want to have any risk. They want to have everything lined out. Like this is how it's supposed to go. Um, so I think it's a, it's a caveat to say entrepreneurship is, it gives you that flexibility and the freedom to experience business in a way that you can fit and mold into how you function best. And I think it's a prime example of how you got, how you've been doing this for 12 years proves and shows that okay you've identified okay this is how i i i know how i work i know how like my work ethic i know that i'm going to show up every day i'm going to do the things i need to get done and things are going to get done on time and when consistency is the fundamental and the foundational piece of building a business and maintaining a business then i truly 100 percent believe you will be successful as long as you are staying consistent with what you're supposed to be doing to build the business and help it run efficiently. That's right. Um, I think those are some key components that help like some entrepreneurs miss because they don't stay consistent or they don't see the power of consistency. I think that's been something that we've echoed uh, throughout time, but we just have a hard time digesting that. And, and I think it's fair to say, cause I, I, I can be the first to admit, yes, I'm not consistent in the most things, but the things that I choose to be consistent in consistently are the things that thrive. So whether that's my marriage, whether that's my job or my personal life or the things that, you know, I'm trying to manage outside of those areas, if I can stay consistent and build discipline with that consistency, man, wow, we can go, we can go some places for sure. Um, and this is where I, I would love to tap into now going into the ownership side of it, you've got, you know, you start out with six horses. I love what you mentioned about your friend Donnie uh, mm -hmm. from Tennessee, because it just paints this picture and brings so much clarity on as entrepreneurs, we, we, we try to do things on our own so much as in like, Oh, it depends on me. I have to do this, 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 and that. But, in this instance, you guys reached out, he had a contact, he connected you, and then that started a beautiful relationship, a partnership, I would say, because you guys bought something from him that he was like, no, hey, I wanna help you succeed. Yep. That right there is the power of community, states away. Like, I mean, just two people, hey, I have a business, I'm doing what you're wanting to do, and I wanna help you succeed and launch you to a successful place, and that sets you up. I don't think people can recognize uh, how important it is to, it's not bad to say, there's a lot of folks that can look at this situation and say, oh, he bought horses from somebody else that were used. Oh, you have to have new horses or you have to have fresh horses. No, <laughs> mm -hmm. no, 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 no. Horses are already trained, I imagine. They already knew exactly what they were going to be doing. So it, I think in your case, it would help you because you didn't have to put all that training into new horses. So, I mean, unravel that for us. What's the process of, you know, when you start, you have your business, you have your horses. What is the process with horses? Because I feel like that could take time to develop. When you get a horse, do you get a horse that's untrained, trained? What does that look like? Yeah, good question. So the horse part of it is, you know, it's the foundation of the service that mm -hmm. we that we offer and the experience. So it requires a lot of care and a lot of time and a lot of detail. These aren't we can't we, we don't we don't do robot 
robot rides or machine right. r- machine rides. So horses are living with all their behavioral issues. They get sick. So that's that's a big component of it that's much different than if you're in another tourism related business that's not that you can rely on other means of transportation besides animals so good question um i i had a a pretty good foundation in the the horse side of it Mm -hmm. and even at that age was comfortable riding and training and Mm. um just was able to use my my natural giftings to, you know, to the business's advantage in that area. Uh, so of course our foundation of the, of the experience is safety. If our guests don't say they don't feel safe, much less stay safe. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) They're not going to have a good time. So, um, I've certainly grown in that area, especially around, communicating with our guests and setting them up to be comfortable and being proactive to make sure they stay comfortable. And and what I mean is like there's things that we can say or do, or we can behave as guides in a certain way and not even mean to, to scare our guests. Yeah. But over time I picked up on, on those things that we should and shouldn't say to, to make the guest experience better. Right. Um, so yeah, safety's foundational. Horses are, uh, their training and health are a big component of that. Mm. Fortunately, like I said earlier, like I've had an interest in livestock, horses, and that thing since I, w- I was very young. So yeah. it, it, comes naturally. Yeah, it's like second nature to you because you've you've grown up around it. You don't have a fear of bigger animals. You know how they operate. You know their personalities, their demeanors, and how they react or respond to certain things. Just like you're talking about how, you know, us as riders, we would respond to something that you would say is only meant to be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is going to be a good, uh, this is okay, but then it might freak me out. (laughs) That's right, yeah. So it's no different than if I came in to look at horses. Like, yeah, horses are big. And some people are intimidated by something that's that big because they're like, oh, that can run me over or it can buck me off or it'll nibble on my ear or whatever the case. (laughs) (laughs) You just never know. Um, So I I think that's great. Yeah. Um, So there's always, always something to learn and grow in that area, especially. But Mm -hmm. after 12 years of of interacting with horses and guests and seeing how our guests respond to different things yeah. helps us, helps us navigate the equine side of it yeah. for, yeah. for better success. So in that, in your experience, when you have guests that you, so you're, you're alluding to that there's certain things you might say that a rider might take and be like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. What like kind of give us an example of like what's something that a rider might think and that, that you you kind of say, hey, hold on a second. Like, let's let's back up. Let me explain to you what this means and to give them peace of mind, because I love horses. I mean, mm-hmm. there, I didn't always love horses. Yeah. Just the same way I didn't always love dogs. Like, you know, there's this part of like I grew up around dogs, but I always you always have this thought in the back of your head. Like, well, what if mm-hmm. moments? But there's also just that part of, like, OK, hey, stuff happens. Yes. However, there's always this place of, okay, I can give you peace of mind because I've been, I've been doing this. And in my experience, that speaks louder than anything that what if moments might happen. That's right. Yeah. So an example would be a horse has allergies and (laughs) their their eyes are running and they've, that attracts flies and it's irritating them and they're Mm. throwing their head behaviorally. They're not there to, to mess with the, with the rider or yeah hurt the rider in any way there's this Mm. other influence that's causing the reaction for the horse to throw its head so our guides might decide to put the guest on another horse Mm -hmm. or take an assessment of the group that came Mm. and take take an assessment of the party and if we have 
one one person that has a lot of experience right and or very confidence mm-hmm. we may put that gust on that horse on that horse yeah, yeah. This so more comfortable. there's ways to there's ways to navigate it that mm. um you don't have to say you know there's ways to not just be at a total loss sure. in those types of situations or or let's say that we misjudged the group and brought the horse that's throwing its head to the to the mounting block to let a more timid, already slightly worried guest ride that horse. Well, if, the, if they're worried, we'll go ahead and get her off. And make adjustments. Off, make an adjustment, yeah. get mm-hmm. another horse. You know, so we, we stay 100% guest focused, want to tune into their needs. Good. And because of the nature of the experience around these large animals, mm-hmm. being aware of people's... <clears throat> Anxiety level is a big part of it. Yeah, I think, and I've, I I value what you're saying because I love the transparency and the vulnerability in saying my guests are most important because ultimately that's the experience. It's your guests having that experience, and if they're nervous, anxious the whole ride, then they're not going to enjoy the ride. That's right. It's it's going to be a complete. Oh man, I just uh oh, uh, and yep. then exact ex- as soon as it's over, it's either. Um, I mean, I don't know if this has happened or not, but it's either a review or they them just saying like, I just didn't enjoy that. And then it becomes kind of that thing where it's like, oh, I don't, and that you can't, there's a lot in that. I, I won't go too much into it just yet. We'll save that for later. But I love what you're saying is, and you're focused on your guests. I think that that's the most important part of even in any service-based uh, business. You have to be focused on your guests and the experience they have with your service. And for you, yours just involve bigger components <laughs> mm-hmm. that, you know, they're horses. Um, and there's a lot more attention to safety because that's going to be a lot of people's first thing of like, am I safe? Yep. It's not, am I going to have fun? It's <laughs> am I safe? And I, you know, personally, when I took my wife on this, um, I, I absolutely loved it. It was phenomenal, which I've, I've ridden horses before. So I have a little bit, not not like I've, you know, I can go gallop on my own, but I have ridden enough to know that horses are, are just big teddy bears in some facets. You know, when they're nice and easy, they get irritated by little outside things. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're just being a jerk, they're going to they're going to tell you real fast if if you're being being much. Um, but it's they're just real chill in most cases until they get funny and start trying to nibble at your ear. I've had that that happened that's why i bring that up yeah so i used to be i used to go feed the horses at a stable where i used to be and whenever i'd go down and put their food in their bowl they'd be like a little overly friendly just a little friendly yep and so it's funny because those are the the memories i have of them um but this is really cool because i love what you're saying the heart behind focusing on your guests has that always been like from the very get-go a part of your of like your your uh your vision as a business to like i mean obviously i think the answer is yes but i want to hear from your side why is that so important to you the vision of being 100 percent guest focused with that type of clarity wouldn't have been from the beginning like that mm-hmm. wouldn't have been right written down or sure necessarily clearly stated from the beginning but it was always there with the understanding that mm. if we provide mm-hmm. an excellent service, people like it, refer friends, business will grow yeah. that way. Um, but really what helped everything grow and what gave my business momentum was transitioning from me as the sole manager and guide and <clears throat> wearing all the hats yeah. to hiring more people mm. to where now a few years later we have a small team of multiple guides and office manager and you know a manager that manages the guides and doing that from the time I had you know that inspiration to grow it beyond just me and my efforts and bring other people in I that's that's the biggest catalyst to uh, to state vision mm. and give clarity because 
it's impossible to grow and get momentum without clearly stating vision. So, so yeah, that's from the transition of just me with my horses to let's grow. That's when it was necessary mm. to define our mission, define vision, right? clearly communicate that and, and see progress from it. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's beautiful. I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head because um, vision without clarity, you're not going anywhere. If you don't like, yeah, you have vision, but without clarity of like what that vision means and how you communicate it to your team. That's right. You're not going to go anywhere. Yeah, vision in my head is is useless for leading others unless it's mm-hmm. communicated mm-hmm. and write it down. Yeah, make it and, plain. And followed up with. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I was about to say. There's accountability with it as well to not the degree of punishment or consequences, but I'm saying accountability is in like, Hey, we're on the same team. We have, we want to be on the, we want to have clarity of the vision, but we want to hold each other accountable to implement those actions and things that help us establish that vision, whether it's tangibly physically within the culture of the team or the experience, it, it kind of overflows into those areas as a sub, a subpar effect of it. Yeah, or absolutely. So, um, that I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, when you, so you, whenever you brought on more team members, was that a simple transition or was that something that just kind of took time to, yeah, <laughs> you're shaking your head. <laughs> the, the no way, not yes. <laughs> so bring us into how that, because I feel like that could be like one of the bigger transitions of like, okay, how do you do this? Yeah big long hard process Mm. that requires required and still requires far more energy than i expected and naturally i i'm pretty good at like quote putting my head down and getting to work yeah yeah yeah. and Mm -hmm. going about my business if you will but when you're working with others that requires you to slow down and think about what's important to Mm. communicate and how you can empower and how you need to lead them in all the different ways. So yeah, the answer to that question is it was a big deal that's required uh, years to start figuring out, Mm. but certainly worth it because I wouldn't like, I would have been burned out and done with what we did a long time ago without having a team of people that support the support and grow the business. What I mean by that is like, I was done with the, with the day in day out operational side of the business, which is, which is what I had to decide. Do I, do I stop this or do we Mm -hmm. continue on and grow it to the next level with other people? And I'm I'm happy I decided to to go the the people route. Sure. <laughs> the well, growth we, route. Well, that's a that's a critical part of allowing a business to be successful and to go to the next level. Cuz like if you didn't do that, then most likely you would have gotten burned out and then you would have gotten to a place that would have I don't you know, we don't know what happened, but you get like there's so many variables but they're not good because it's all by you're all by yourself. Oh. And <clears throat> being by yourself for a long period of time, doing everything and putting your head down, it's not, it, it, you're not going to like, you can be successful, but you're not going to enjoy it yeah. because you're going to be like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Why am I doing this still? That's ah, right. Ah. And then you get to a place where in some cases people get so burnt out, they just put in the towel and they sell or they do whatever and they just move on or they just close. And that's, in my opinion, that's sad because you could have done things to benefit and support yourself better. And I think a lot of us, um, we attack ourselves by doing it all on our own and not allowing that expansion to happen with, do I need to hire somebody? Do I need to offload some of the responsibility that, I feel, that I'm holding on too tightly to? And to delegate that as a leader and as a business owner, just like you said before, like uh, I have to slow down and look and see how am I empowering people? I think as a business owner, 
If you're the owner of a business, your responsibility is to empower people to do the job that you did better than you did or allow them to do the job that you're mm -hmm. doing. And then when you allow them to do that and you give them the freedom and you trust them, now this has to be the right person. That's a different conversation. You give them that empowerment and value to say, hey, I trust you. I trust your skills and your gifts. And I believe that what you bring to this team and this business is going to take us farther. Yeah, that's right. Because that allows <laughs> for growth within the company or in the business because then it takes your the pressure off of you. You know, think of a pizza. There's eight slices. If you're trying to cut all, if you're cutting it by yourself, you can do it. But if you're trying to eat all of it by yourself, you can't eat it. You know, you can, but you're going to be full. But if you share, you know, it kind of goes that's silly, it. silly analogy, but just kind of the uh -huh. sense of there's more than what you're asking for. And if you share what you have, other people can benefit from that piece of pie in a, yep. in a, in a way. Yep. Um, and when you give that off to people, you're empowering them, you're giving them value. They begin to rise and you're challenging them to grow. That's as right. A personal, as a as an employee, as a professional, as a leader, you're equipping them with responsibility. You're saying, hey, you know the vision, you know how to implement it, you know how I do things. And it's just, it's more so the character integrity level of what you're asking them to maintain the, of the standard, not to go below, um, but to exceed. Like that's where I think as, you know, leaders and as owners of business, vice versa, or just being someone that wants to impact people, what can I do to catapult them ahead of where they are and give them the opportunity or the chance to do so? Yep, yep. That's my vision of anyone that works for us. I want them to be a better person whether they move on in eight months or five years, whatever they move mm -hmm. into next, I hope that they're better prepared and uh, gain from the experience. Yeah. And I think you know, just our industry with we have a lot of we have a lot of young people work for us and college students, and it's a great opportunity for them to to learn people skills and how to work with people and sometimes challenging groups and problem solve. So yeah, that's, that's part of it that gives it, that gives uh, me some meaning is seeing people. It's not like I necessarily develop them, but the work itself mm -hmm. is an opportunity right. to, to develop themselves. No, oh, I love that analogy. Cause it's the same way. If you think of football, you know, the coaches are there just to help you get the technique right. You have to put in the work. Mm -hmm. You have to you have to run the plays. You have to put in the reps. And then through the reps is what's really conditioning you. And same thing here. It's, you know, whenever they get those experiences with these customers and have to navigate how to be flexible, how to adjust on the fly. Oh, this horse is being a little, you know, mad because he's got flies mm -hmm. around his eyes. Yep. And this guest is freaking out because it's going to buck me. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, ma'am, you're going to be totally okay. Let's go introduce you to Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Teddy, exactly. Teddy loves whenever you get to ride on him. He yeah. walks nice and slow. He gives you a little, you know, just set them up for a great experience to offset what their expectation is or their fear of what may happen. Um, and I, so Coming back to that, I would love to hear, you talked about um, in bringing on employees on the team and how that was a transition. Um, I would love to say, what are some other experiences or surprises that have happened over the last couple of years that you've had to really, come, like just, I guess you could say curveballs in a way that you've had to, uh, that are, just have been a challenge for the business as in like, whether it's like, oh, business has been slower, we've had to adapt with this mm -hmm. or that. What are some things you've had to adjust and just kind of be on your toes and be quick to move around to adjust to? <clears throat> well, over the past three years, since 2020 and COVID, our business has actually grown. It's tripled in size wow. from pre-COVID because of the interest in you know, people's interest in getting outdoors and looking for, at first local experiences and now more people are traveling and we, we're having more international customers than pre-COVID even. But so I don't have the, the we, we, in the past three years, 
we've just experienced growing pains because mm. well, that's a good thing to have because it's grown. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, just the, I guess, typical or expected challenges of business. I can, I can think of a few and a simple, relatively small one just in the past several months is trying to find insurance because mm. the insurance industry and people dropping exposure to our type of industry several months ago i had a two-month ordeal trying to find an wow. insurance carrier in the process of doing a sales tax audit and yeah you know all the other all juggling the other parts of life juggling so i know relatively small but just you know part of a an entrepreneur's mm -hmm. life um fortunately i did find insurance and it all worked out sure but it was very difficult yeah. to find that find someone that would underwrite our our uh, industry and and liability um and then i'm, I'm trying to think of other curveball scenarios in the business i can Running a business is always mm -hmm. a challenge and there's always difficult things that come up. But, um, you know, besides the effort to build a team and train new staff and delegate parts of the business, I can't really think of like notable. Yes, well, I mean, you go back, you go back to 2020, that, that by itself is a curveball. I can think probably one of the biggest curveballs, but I think, what you said though too between now and then you guys have experienced just you've tripled your your revenue i guess or just like right. what you've made yeah. um was that just solely because of covid do you think because people are like oh we're all boxed up we're in our houses and we want to get out or do you think there was a shift there that people were like i think because I, I have this thought in my head that you know i i we've all gone through covid yeah we all know what it means to be at home and you know okay i'm just tired of being inside so I have a greater appreciation for being outside and going for hikes or going, just going for walks, uh, doing outdoor activities, things like that. So I wonder if maybe that had a part in play where people were like, okay, I'm just tired of being inside all day. Yeah, for sure. That's what I attribute the, the demand and our yeah. service to. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, no momentum, momentum takes effort to, takes a lot of effort to, continue so um you know we're, we're already seeing in the past 18 months we've seen a plateau mm. in that in that demand for our experience which requires me us to double down and figure out how to reinvigorate right. and you know up our marketing efforts and mm -hmm. you know perhaps uh work on our products or, or launch a new product, yeah. be, you know, be, before launching anything new, of course, I'd want to think about it. Think of the, mm -hmm. the effort and the benchmark, the cost, see and, all the, and, all the things attributed right. to doing something new, get versus, customer yeah. surveys and make yep. sure it's it would market, be a desirable yep. marketable mm -hmm. experience. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at now where we had this, this great growth starting, you know, more than three years ago, now seeing a plateau and wondering what's next. Yeah. Have you always, so you're describing like, you know, thinking about a new product and things like that. Um, has that always been the case of like doing the benchmarking, looking at the things or, you know, yeah. whenever you first started, yeah. did you just kind of jump into anything like that just off the cuff? Or yeah, did that's you... a good question. And, and yes, I've always been, probably too quick to move and try and experiment, mm -hmm. which have slowed down mm. and taken a much more methodical analytical yeah. approach to launching something new. So we've tried multiple, <clears throat> uh, we've offered multiple things right. over the years, including horseback lessons and summer camps for kids. Mm. We've, uh, we have wagons and can do seasonal wagon oh, you know, cool. horse-drawn wagon rides and you know there's 
there's room to revisit any yeah. of those ideas. But what I've found is doubling down on what works well, what's scalable, what's teachable, and what pays the bills right. should you should give most of your effort to that. So our 90 minute horseback ride and our two and a half hour sunset ride, check those boxes where <clears throat> we can scale up with more guides and more horses. Yeah. That's the easy, that's the easy equation. Yeah. It's, it's in demand. Mm. We book up, it works. So for the past, instead of continually experimenting <clears throat> for the past two or three years, I've just focused on those products and now I'm at the point where I'm wondering what the next product is. Sure. I had a great idea. You Let's ready? hear it. I'm going to pitch this idea to the city of Waco to have a parade during Thanksgiving. <laughs> I know the Mesa days parade, you know, but we're going to have our own horses and wagons coming okay. down Austin Avenue. Yep. And then we're going to be right here in the alcove building with, we're going to be doing a live feed for the parade in Waco, okay. Waco Sounds Texas. very exciting and, <laughs> and potentially high, high liability. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find, we'll let's find, keep talking. We'll find a way, right? Right. Oh, man. If not, we'll just get some Texas Rangers to come in, and we'll just do that and yep. have some good time. Oh, gosh. Well, I'd love to ask you on a more of a personal level, what are some things that you do to manage running a business and kind of, you know, having a, a, a balanced life like whether it's personal marriage wise or family you know how do you what what's kind of your core component with that and how do you do that because the reason why i ask that is there's going to be people who listen who are going to be in they're going to be business owners they're going to be in the grind or in the hustle right. and for me my heart is to provide a a community of support for those people where they know that there there is there are ways that you can um, be intentional about putting things first and yes, work is important, but really challenge. Okay. You know, family, you want to take care of your family. You want to make sure you're home. You want to be a part of them. Uh, cause that's my, my heart. You know, my heart is I want to be, I want to be home to, with my wife. I want to spend time with my wife. Um, what are some things that are important to you and how do you implement those in the day to day? Yeah. Just like you families, extremely important to me. I want to spend as much time as possible with my family. I have two kids and fortunately get a lot of time to spend <clears throat> with them. I think one advantage I have is I started pretty early. So a lot of the, a lot of the, the bulk of the time that I spent working on the business was before I had kids. Yeah. So I know I'm, I may not always be in, I'm not going to always be in this season of life and every, everyone's different. Yep, and no, everyone's journey is a little different agreed. from me. I feel, I feel fortunate to where mm. I started early on and now a few years in, you know, I've talked a lot about working with people and building a team and, you know, it, my business is very small and I have a small team, but it's a, I, I rely on the team to to operate the business. Mm -hmm. So I guess to answer your question, like I, I my time is more freed up now yeah. because of that, because of the early hard investment. Yes, it's still hard to to maintain and it's hard to get momentum and it's and all of that. However, I started it long enough ago to where mm. um I'm not as involved in the day-to-day -day side of it, and I have time to, you know, spend time with my family right. and, and have, you know, a better balanced life. Of course, you know, that's even seasonal for me because there's times they of go, the it, year yeah, where... Yeah, it fluctuates, right? Right. I, up, I, I've got to spend a lot of time working on different things, and every sure. week is a little bit different, so... You know, I'm not saying that every week I just have this great balance <laughs> of work and work and family, but in general, mm -hmm. because we have an office manager and someone that manages the guides and guides that lead the rides, you know, that frees up 
that just those roles right there free up a significant amount of time. Mm, it's good. And um yeah, I so I'd say figure out figure out a way to I don't like to word, use the word leverage because it sounds like you're taking advantage of someone, but find opportunity to pull other people into your organization that they thrive in that role. It's meant for them. Mm. And it's a win-win because you may not be made for that role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense because I keep thinking of when you go, went back to saying I hired like my office manager or my guides like those are perfect representations of hire the right people that do the job that they are great at, that they love, because those types of people are what make your business successful. That's right. And I truly believe that in this season of the last three years for you, since COVID, yes, there's been a, there's something with the market or, you know, industry of people wanting more of it. But that also means that your team has to be able to sustain to sustain the interest in oncoming barrage of people who want to do it. Mm -hmm. So then if you have the proper people that can handle the, the pressure or the amount, right. Or the increase of, uh, interest to supply. It's the same way. I think of Waco and this, you know, I always said this, uh, uh, when I worked a, a tour company here in town, people would ask me, like, Oh, you know, Chip and Joe bring all this stuff to Waco. I'm like, well, yeah, not all of it. They're, they're, they're a part of it. But I said, they wouldn't be able to function if it wasn't for what was already here. Waco has already have like the city of Waco has established so much stuff for the city to function, right? Mm -hmm. There's gotta be a fundamental or foundational pieces in place to support something like Magnolia. You can't take Magnolia down to McGregor and expect it to it thrive the same way. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's got to be like Baylor university <laughs> has a part of plant cause they both went to Baylor. Like there's a lot of components that worked in that same way of finding the right people, right place. And then when you have the interest that you can, you can take on that weight of what's coming or mm -hmm. the wave, so to speak. So I think that's a lot of value in what, yeah. you, what you're saying. And just another thought on that. Every, every part of life requires vision and intentionality mm -hmm. and in business, someone has to be envisioning casting vision to the organization so the concept of i'm gonna build something and then fully step back for me doesn't work because unless you unless you find a visionary that's better than you yeah or has identical <laughs> vision to you so you know the, the role my role shifts from mm -hmm. uh from managing every little detail right to uh, you know, asking myself, what, what do these, you know, great people need mm. to thrive in their job? And that, that really comes down to someone leading them. It's good. So I guess my thought is to, to anyone that wants to start a business, like don't have the mentality that I'm going to get it to a certain place and then remove myself from being involved. And the reason I say that is because I've had that mentality in the past where mm. I thought like at a certain point I could just be out of the, out of the picture and right. things would work. <clears throat> it's just going to keep going. It's yeah. It, it just doesn't, you have to, you have to cast fresh vision, stay in communication and always be involved for it to work. Mm. In my case, in my little, business with 10 people well and i think there's there's a lot of <coughs> there's a lot behind to what your desire is for your business to function and to and to thrive um to be successful because some people or some business owners are opposite they that's their whole goal is to just build it up put it off to the side and then they'll either say okay i don't want to be part of it anymore and sell it or they'll just walk away or yeah it falls and crumbles and there's nothing that they can do yeah and in that is a doable goal, but I think it all comes down to leadership and, mm -hmm. Agreed. and you have to have a yes. plan for leadership. Yes. <laughs> yes. As soon as your, your plan or your leadership, uh, is plucked from or removed from, and you, you say, Oh, they got it. Mm -hmm. No, 
No, because they don't have somebody leading them. They right. don't have some, unless you unless you have somebody that's stepping in to lead. That's a different conversation. Yep. But as the business owner or what vice versa, if you're stepping out and you're just saying, "Oh, they got it," that is not yeah. supporting. Doesn't work. He'll lose no. all momentum. Yep. Even if I, you know, if I hired a, a general manager, unless he fully or he or she fully <clears throat> internalizes our desire to be 100% guest focused and our mission to provide an excellent outdoor experience and is reminded of that, it still won't work. So yes, mm -hmm. I can I can invest less time in the business, but I still have to be involved. Yeah. I still have to be intentional and be present. Yep, I love it. Well, I'd love to take a few minutes and let you just kind of share uh, if you have any like social media handles or website or anything, just where can people find uh, Brazos Bluffs Ranch uh, and how can they learn more information about what you guys offer in horseback riding? Yeah, thanks for asking. So our website, BrazosBluffsRanch.com has links to book our horseback tours. We have uh, a page on there for our lodging. We have an Instagram account, Brazos Bluffs, Facebook. Uh, you can find it under Brazos cool. Bluffs Ranch. Um, I think we have a TikTok account. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd have to check on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, love to love to have you out. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode of the Matthew Talks Podcast. And I just want to say thank you to everybody that jumped on listening to this episode. Make sure you you uh, leave us a comment on our uh, Spotify review. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, and we will catch you for the next episode of the Matthew Talks Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us for the Matthew Talks Podcast. Uh, I want to encourage you to make sure that you don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook, our Instagram, or YouTube channel at Official Matthew Talks. And you can also find our website at matthewtalks.com. And then don't forget to subscribe on any platform where you listen to your podcast so you can stay up to date. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.